Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsidePenguins.com. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we have a lot of news to get to here on the week that Penguins training camp does open this Thursday, September 22nd. The Penguins will take the ice for their first official practice, but we've been seeing the Pittsburgh Penguins on the ice for about two weeks now, so hockey is really officially back, especially when you consider it's technically a victory Monday for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they got the win over the weekend in the Prospect Challenge. Yeet. I mean, (laughs) we beat... We're the 30th, according to the Athletic, we're the 30th ranked prospect pipeline in the NHL. We beat the 32nd team. Somehow Boston is worse than us in something. So take it for what it's worth and also for what's for what it's worth in that game. Uh, the right guys did the right things. There wasn't mm-hmm. too many um, shocks. There wasn't too many, hey, this guy that we have not heard of but was invited to rookie camp did this. No, it was our top prospects that need to perform performs there wasn't too many standouts which is kind of a good thing Mm. yeah it was nice to see the guys that are supposed to be your top prospects act like your top prospects it was a very top heavy lineup when it comes to actually getting the goal scoring for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they ended up winning 6-4 to four at Lee Home, I believe it's called Warehouse or something like that, it, for the Buffalo Sabres practice facility. That's where the Penguins met the Boston Bruins. And like you said, you took care of business. You're the 30th ranked. You should be able to beat the 32nd ranked. And the Penguins did just that with a 6-4 to four win. A large portion of that being because the Penguins were great on the power play. Stop me if you've heard this before. I'm sure you're going to keep quiet for the next couple minutes because it's been a while since the Penguins have just absolutely dominated on the man advantage. And that's exactly what they did, especially early in this Prospects Challenge game. The Penguins got out to a 4 nothing lead midway through the entire game. All four of those goals coming on the man advantage. Philip Hollander had two goals. Sam Poulin had a goal. Valtteri Pustin had a beautiful one-timer from the left side of the ice. And on all four of those goals, like you mentioned, the big guys stepped up, and I already mentioned all the big guys that stepped up there. Colin Sawyer, uh, college free agent, has four assists on that plate on that top power play unit. Somebody that a lot of people were looking into because he was a college signing, and those guys kind of jumped to the front of the line a little bit quicker because they're older. But... He played on that top power play unit, and he was able to rack up the assists. He was. He He's a little bit more under the radar, so I guess saying it was all the top guys is uh, 
bit of a not that's not totally true. I mean, you had to figure our top defensive guys are either Pio Joseph, who's not there because he's not a rookie anymore, no. or uh, Owen Pickering, but he's hurt, so he's not playing. So that leads mm-hmm. all the way down to the college signing guys like Colin Sawyer, Jack St. Ivany. Um, I think there's another one in there I'm just not thinking of at the moment. And for what it's worth, they seem to really like that Ortiz guy, but that's mm-hmm. far down the list of things to worry about at the moment. But... So, yeah, it wasn't fully all the top guys. Colin Sawyer, again, he jumps to the front of the line because he's a college signing. Um, mm-hmm. And those guys are always a little more interesting. Like mm-hmm. I said, he performed pretty well. Jack St. Ivan, he's a, a long shot for things. But, again, college signing, he's interesting. He's also the most recent signing this team has made. So, um, eyes turn here and there. I think it'll be interesting to see how the defensive core of the future looks because right now, like I said, we're down to Joseph, who's cracking for the NHL, Pickering, who's hurt and won't be here for a while anyway, or these guys. So mm-hmm. four assists, like, thankfully, you know, four assists in a prospect game that, again, you ne- you didn't know what you were going to get out of it, but it's something. It's something to show for just keeping eyes on him now. Mm-hmm. It's a good start for, for Colin Sawyer and his first actual appearance in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. You love to see something like that. You also love to see the fact that he also played the penalty kill. We love defensemen that can play all three facets of the game and even strength, man advantage, and man disadvantage. So good on Colin Sawyer. A nice day for him on Saturday. Uh, something else that I wanted to mention, he didn't really get on the scoreboard. He didn't really make any waves. Uh, a quick shout-out to Taylor Haas and Danny Shiree of DK Pittsburgh Sports with all of their coverage, as well as Michelle Crecciolo of pittsburghpenguins.com for all her coverage because this game wasn't televised because this game wasn't on the radio we got all of our updates from them up in buffalo so a quick shout out to them for doing some great leg work up at uh the buffalo practice facility but uh lucas fedkovsky i mentioned him on thursday as a guy that i want to watch i think he's from all intents and purposes not stood out at prospect training camp which is rookie camp but he hasn't been bad which is a good thing and to see that the fact that they did put him on that top power play unit which is something i wanted to see especially when it was that successful is something that it means good things for me for lucas fedkovsky yeah it means he's making moves he's getting around um, he's got, you know, like like Colin Sawyer at this very moment. He has the eyes. He has mm-hmm. people are keeping their eye on their eyes on him. They are watching to see how he progresses and how he improves in this system. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, knocking on the door yet, but he's noticeable. He's in the system. He's a name to keep an eye on, and that's mm-hmm. the most we can ask for for a lot of these guys in this group. I mean, like, I was at the rookie camp on Friday, and I was talking with Jeff Hathorn and. We you know, both agreed, like, it's great that we have guys that can come up eventually and do something. There's not the guy, where, there's not a single guy where you're looking at it and say, him, he's the one. There isn't mm-hmm. in this group, and that's okay because of the way that this organization is built right now. We have the agent core. We're, we are bringing in the sure shot players like, like Ricard Raquel, like we know Dan Heineken perform. We're bringing in the guys that are mm-hmm. NHL-proven talents rather than drafting for the future, which it's a hard task to do. Ron Hexall said he's going to try and do both. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's more difficult than it seems. And for what it's worth, Owen Pickering's a good start to that because he's not an immediate answer, but mm-hmm. he is in a couple years whenever things look a little different in the organization. So uh, for now, it is just hard that we're not going to – we're not probably not going to see any of these guys 
really make that NHL jump right away. Maybe later in the year, but not right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned the go- those guys that could be that guy. Like, he is the guy. He is the leader of this. And you talked about last week before you went to prospect training camp. You said, Sam Pullen's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on. He scored a goal in this game. I believe he notched a couple of assists as well. What did you see from Pullen when you were there on Friday? He looks quick. And it when I, whenever I was watching it, <clears throat> I noticed they were putting him at center. And I asked Jeff again. I asked. I was like, hey, wasn't he a winger? He was supposed to be normally. But and then you know, someone asked him about it afterwards. He has been getting uh, practice on center. It is a little more of a responsible position. Uh, so if he's able to all of a sudden play, you know, he could still play wings. And now if he can also take faceoffs, that makes him a little more useful and a little more versatile. Especially when the center depth of this team, while it looks good in the at the NHL level, you have to figure Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's your one too. Jeff Carter's old man. Jeff Carter's yeah. old, and we want to switch him to the wing maybe someday. Fine by me. Teddy Bluger's on the fourth. Okay, who do we have after that? We had Evan Rodriguez. Then genuinely, the question really is, who's our fifth guy? Who's our fifth center? You know, is it someone yeah. who's currently playing the wing that can transition over? I mean, we don't. I, I doubt we're giving that hat to Jake Gensel anymore. I doubt we're giving that hat to Brian Rust anymore. Hell, we stopped doing that a long time ago. But the Jake Gensel experiment we know is over. So who really is the fifth center here? Could it be it might- a sample end now? Mm-hmm. Somebody else that it could potentially be. He scored two goals on Saturday is Philip Hollander. You know, and we all want to see younger guys. That's why you mentioned Jeff Carter. A lot of people are saying for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you need to get a little bit younger at center, especially if you're going to be carrying Malkin and Crosby through their late 30s. You have Teddy Bluger, who's getting into his high 20s, but now you have to look at it as saying, hey, if you can supplant that with a Philip Hollander and let Jeff Carter take less responsibility, supplant that with a, a Sam Poulin and let Jeff Carter take less responsibility, that's the greatest thing you can do for the Pittsburgh Penguins roster. But the problem is you cannot get those guys in there too early. You don't want to ruin their, their development just because you want a younger center. So you have to still remain patient. And I think that's what we've seen from the Pittsburgh Penguins over the past year and so we saw Hollander make his debut last year we're probably going to see Poulin at least make his NHL debut this year but again I don't know if I can confidently say that either of them are going to get consistent playing time at the NHL level not yet still not yet it's hard another thing is too um, when you call these guys up do you want to put them on the fourth line that's the difficult question is while you Mm -hmm. in hindsight you're like yeah you put them on the fourth line because that's the easiest place to put them that's on paper though you have to you mm-hmm. when you're calling players up, you do have to look at the, the bigger details of okay, well, fourth line, you're not getting a ton of minutes, you're not playing with guys that are good that are going to help you out offensively. Mm-hmm. And who is going where afterwards? You want to put them up in a position where they're going to be with guys who can have a little more offense, so you want to maybe third line them. Okay, mm-hmm. well again, the Penguins third line's kind of iffy. So let's say you pull up. Let's say we transition Carter to the wing and Sam Poulin is the fifth center or something. You put him on the third line. Sam Poulin centering who? Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen? Dan Heinen? Who's, what's the situation there? It gets interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do like the idea of him making some sort of move to the NHL this year because now is the time for him. It just has to come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about all of that, obviously you saw last year 
Valtteri Pustin in his one game at the NHL level, he played on the third line. He got an assist, but you're playing with guys that also fit to your style of game. But the only thing that I'll say is a pushback to that is the Pittsburgh Penguins don't usually use traditional fourth liners. I mean, you could say in the past couple of years, Zach Aston Reese is a traditional fourth liner because he doesn't provide very much offense. I would argue that Teddy Bluger has a lot more offensive upside than a lot of traditional fourth liners. Like Bluger to me is one of the premier fourth line centers in the National Hockey League, but he could also be a pretty good third line center. So like, I, I think that the Pittsburgh Penguins and the way that Mike Sullivan likes to play the game of hockey and he likes to have his, his players play, I think that does lead to you can do it, but I still agree that you should probably start these guys with more skilled players because that's where they're coming up as. Especially a guy like Poulin, as you mentioned, moving over to center. I talked to Nick Hart, who was the play-by-play -play announcer for Wilkes-Barre. He said that was something that started late last season after Poulin had turned it around because he was so hot, they wanted to find ways to keep the puck back on his stick more. So they said, okay, give him more responsibility. He'll get the puck on his stick more. He'll be able to make those plays at center. And that's when you started to see that, which again, fits perfectly with the Penguins because they love players that can do both. So if Poulin's adding that to his skill set, adding that to his toolbox, it's only going to make him more valuable at the NHL level. It will, and it's exciting to see. It's something that we've done before, too. Like, like I said, we've seen Jake Gensel transition from a center to a wing. Brian Russ transition mm -hmm. from a center to a wing. Now, it is a wing to a center, but it's still something we've done before. We've had our forwards be these versatile players that whenever they get the call, well, they can play anywhere. They can just be in line. It doesn't matter the forward position if injuries come knocking, which, come on, we all know they will. So... Yeah. Yeah, having that versatility is huge, especially for a guy like Poulin. Um, a guy like Hollander, like you mentioned, Pustin, and eventually maybe, I don't know, he'll probably stay at the wing, but, you know, yeah. he's a guy that everyone has eyes on. Mm -hmm. And another name, I know he's, again, not a center, but someone who caught the hell out of everyone's attention. Uh, Nathan Lagray is trying to do it the old school way. And good for him. Good for him. Yeah, in that game, certainly, Nathan Legere was playing the part of the pest against the Boston Bruins, something, a little bit of a taste of their own medicine with Brad Marshawn. Nathan Legere, for some reason, there were a lot of scuffles in that game on Saturday afternoon. Nathan Legere was at the heart of all of them. He was getting sucker punched. He was throwing punches. I think Sam Poulin said he probably spent like 15 minutes in the penalty box. And guess what? He scored the insurance goal at the end, the sixth goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins, right after, of course, Corey Andonofsky scored the eventual game winner with 10 minutes left in the game. So Nathan Legere, listen, his stock has dropped the last couple of years in Pittsburgh Penguins organization. But if he's going to do stuff like that, he's going to get noticed. And honestly, that's not really normally a part of his game. That's not how he's been trying to play the game. But when the game calls for it, if you can step up and rise to the occasion like he did, play the pest, and eventually come out on the right side of things for the Pittsburgh Penguins, then that's going to raise some eyebrows. And I think that's exactly what Legere was able to do on Saturday afternoon. Another thing, if you ask a lot of people, what is this team missing? It is some, it is some girth. It is a little bit of body weight. Now, Nathan Lagre doesn't necessarily bring those things. But if he's able to, you know, not have the fear of mixing it up, that's pretty huge yeah. in terms of, like we said, stepping up that ladder a lot mm -hmm. faster. You know, I spent like the last 20 minutes talking with Jeff Hathorne, so a lot, quite a few of my things are going to come from this. Um, he said that the team is missing like that sort of 
you know, beefiness to be, you know, big bodies moving people around. Um, he pointed out a Ty Glover as someone who might be able to do, just because of his size, move up the lineup a little bit. Or Corey Andonofsky, who, by the way, is Kenny Pickett's best friend. That's a good start. Um, sure. So there's ways for bigger bodies to move up quicker because it's something the Penguins need. Well, mm-hmm. you know what else is almost always needed is, is shooting the puck. Nathan Ligray still has a great shot. So if he can tack on a little bit of, like we're saying, a little bit of toughness, a little bit of body moving around the front, being a net front presence, stuff like that, he moves up because he's got both of the skills. And that's a great start. Uh, his foot speed is still not the greatest. Maybe there's some off-ice things that we're not totally aware about. Um, anything, you know, that, like I said, that we don't know could be getting in the way of this as well. But the fact that he's made a ton of noise himself in that game against a rival no less it's interesting it is a good bump for him and puts him back into this conversation that he was quite frankly slipping out of Mm -hmm. yeah no he was he was slipping out of it so was Poulin but Poulin did something Mm -hmm. late last season to kind of restructure himself and reestablish himself in the eyes of a lot of people that that watch the Penguins prospects I, I know we've been talking about prospects a lot over the past month but that's because we're getting into the beginning of the season where a lot of the actual players have been sitting back. We want to talk about these prospects. We want to talk about the future. And Nathan Legere is part of it. I'm glad you mentioned the fact that it's important that he's able to, to bring that factor. Because there's always been a place in the Penguins lineup for a guy that's gritty and can also score from time to time. He doesn't have to be a 30-goal scorer to make it on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster. But if he brings that ability to get in people's faces, to be physical, which a lot of the Pittsburgh Penguins right now are not physical. And that's something that it does bother me. I understand it's not a really a pillar of the game under Mike Sullivan. But if a guy like Nathan Legere gets a little bit more physical, can cause chaos and not take stupid penalties, that's the thing. He was in the box a lot of that time. As long as you're taking somebody with you, I'm okay with it. But you always look back in history. Max Talbot was a guy that was in that same build. Same thing with Tom Kuhnockel. Same thing with Patrick Hornquist, but to a higher level when it comes to scoring goals. If Nathan Legere can shape his game like those guys, there's always going to be a spot for him at the NHL level. Now all that's left for him to do is make sure he gets to the point where it translates to that top tier. Yeah, and that was the other thing too, is he was drawing a ton of penalties too. What, like, yeah, he took his fair share, but he drew quite a number as well. I mean, he could, I think he had gave two guys misconducts like i'd have to look at the complete score sheet he de- at least one of them got a whole misconduct for whatever reason he was just getting attacked left and right so he's taking guys to the box with him that is for sure and he's you know drawing as well i think that's a huge benefit and you see how it turned out they scored four goals i think it was five actually through power plays it's eventually yeah quite impressive yeah, so I mean that that's the prospects challenge. Uh, again, not something you take too much into, uh, too much stock into, but it's always nice to one come out with a win and and two, uh, as was reported by I believe Danny Shiree, Mike Sullivan walked into the locker room after the game and was like, "Hell yeah, guys! Like this is that's good. This is what we want. This is what we need to do. I don't care that it's the thirty second 
ranked prospect system in the Boston Bruins. Go out there, beat the opponent in front of you, and that's what the Penguins were able to do. They'll be back on the ice this afternoon, or sorry, this morning at some point for another practice. They'll practice again tomorrow, and then they'll break on Wednesday for, for media day, and then the real thing starts on Thursday for the entire group. I mean, this has been real for these prospects, but a, a good prospect camp, a good rookie camp, and, and a nice win on Saturday. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Let's preview a little bit about a big guns at Pittsburgh Penguins training camp coming up this week. We'll talk about that and more here on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com. Of course, Horwat has Several pieces up there about the weekend that was for the Pittsburgh Penguins prospects. We just talked about it for a solid 20 minutes. So if you want any more information than what we just gave you, visit InsideThePenguins.com and check out all of Horwath's pieces on his coverage of Penguins Rookie Camp 2022. But with the end of Rookie Camp coming tomorrow, that means the beginning of main training camp for the Pittsburgh Penguins coming on Thursday with the beginning. And then that'll also be three weeks before the start of the regular season. Horwat hockey season is here. I declared that last Thursday. So just a reminder for everyone, it is hockey season, but the regular season is three weeks from Thursday, which is also the opening of Penguins training camp. We've talked a lot about prospects heading into camp. We've talked a lot about position battles heading into training camp. But one thing we haven't discussed are the big guns. Now, there's not a lot to discuss with them in training camp because they're not fighting for anything. The biggest thing that they need to do is stay healthy, get ready for the season. What do you want to see from these guys, though? Because there's still things that we can glean upon when we watch these practices and when we get these updates from practice. It's That is kind of hard because we know it's not like they're fighting for a position. We know it's not like they're fighting for a contract. Um, the most... I think we really want to see from them is that they still look driven, you know, if, if that's even yeah. possible. We know Sidney Crosby's going to be um, driven to win still. I think that might be the biggest one is that we're still hoping Malkin, Latang, Frost, Gensel, all these guys, and Crosby included, obviously, um, still look like they have that hunger and that they're still fighting as hard as they can to bring one more cup into the city of Pittsburgh. And again, like I said, I don't think that's a hard thing to follow. But there's that, and then there's also just staying healthy and make it look like that they're not deteriorating age-wise. I think that might be the biggest thing is, while, yeah, Malkin's coming into the season fully healthy for once, maybe just see what he can do still. Like I don't, It's hard to really answer what are we looking for from these guys because, again, we're not expecting them to go all out at practice. They know their positions. They know they are slotted in at their spots that they haven't for the last 20 years. But again, as long as they're not deteriorating in skill and they still have the drive, that's the most you can ask for, for now. Uh, if you give me something, I can agree. Uh, but also, I think that's a big part of it, just as long as they still look hungry as hell. And over the weekend, Sidney Crosby was at the NHL's media tour in Las Vegas, Nevada. He was the Penguins representative, and he did say on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, that you know, when asked... How important is it for you to, to retire in Pittsburgh with Malkin and with Latang? And he said, honestly, we're more concerned about winning another cup. Like, we want to win again. And that's the big thing. I have a story about that coming out this morning on InsideThePenguins.com. 
he still has that drive. At least he's saying that he does, and I don't think anybody is in any position to question that. So uh, I, I definitely don't question Sidney Crosby's drive to win because he is one of the greatest winners in the history of hockey. So he's going to go out there. He's going to continue to try to strive for that, and we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, first and foremost for me, I want to see what the initial line rushes are. I was excited to see them at the beginning of rookie camp, see that Poole and Pustinen and uh, Philip Hollander were all on the first line and those line rushes. I want to see what Mike Sullivan comes out with to start this training camp because obviously we know Gensel and Crosby are going to be together. Who's on that right wing? And then with that, there's also questions. Who's going to surround Evgeny Malkin? He's been a basically a revolving door around Evgeny Malkin when he's been healthy the past couple of seasons. Who starts on his wings? Because when you look at those empty positions, Rust and Raquel you think are going to bounce between first and second line right wing. But that left spot, is it Jason Zucker? Does Kasperi Kapanen get another shot? Does Danton Heinen get an opportunity in training camp up there? There's a lot of questions surrounding the top of the lineup and who's playing with these guys. And I'm intrigued to see on Thursday, if they do line rushes, what those initial lines are going to be. Yeah, I think that will be interesting. You're right You're right on the nail on the head there as well because we talked uh, pretty early on in the offseason of how uh, it should be Raquel playing alongside Crosby and Gensel. Mm-hmm. But also we understand that things are going to change throughout the season as well, and putting Rust up there, is, again, we know doesn't hurt. Putting Rust in the second line doesn't hurt with Kenny Malkin. Um, that would prob- probably be the biggest question among the forwards for the lineups, unless someone makes no- unexpected noise, like does Danton Heinen get bumped up? Like we said, we don't have to worry about the Evan Rodriguez thing. So there's plenty of movement that can be made with this lineup. It's just a matter of will the the first will the opening night roster or that lineup remain like that for a substantial amount of time. Here's the thing as well. Uh, we talk about Ricard Raquel playing with Crosby and Gensel. We've seen it. We know it works. We know it. It was above and beyond fantastic in the short stints that we saw it last season. We also know that Brian Rust, Crosby. And Gensel is automatic, basically. Like, they didn't have as high of highs as Raquel, Crosby, and Gensel did. But they also played a lot longer together. So I think that that's something that you can look at is, yeah, we know that that's something that'll work. Crosby, Gensel, Rust. We also know that Malkin and Rust have a really good chemistry together. What don't we know? We don't know how Raquel plays in extended periods of time with Evgeny Malkin. We don't know how Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, and Ricard Raquel all fit together. So when you look at the lineup, and I think a lot of people are going to have to really heed these words that I'm about to say, we're probably not going to see Raquel on that first line. Because if I'm thinking of what Mike Sullivan's thinking, excuse me, he's probably saying, listen, I know what works. I want to find what else works because I need options. Especially, you mentioned, knock on wood that that doesn't happen, Penguins usually run into injury issues. And not even... Some, they usually run into a bunch of injury issues. Last year, the only player to play in all 82 games was Evan Rodriguez. So the Penguins are going to face injury issues. They would like to figure out early on what works and how many different iterations of this works. They already know Gensel Crosby Raquel. They already know Gensel Crosby Rust. But since they don't really know Malkin and Raquel's chemistry together and what that looks like extended periods of time... That's probably what we're going to see. That's my prediction of what we're going to see. But again, it's not a bad pa- problem to have where you have multiple guys that can play with your all-world centers and just figuring out which works the best. 
It's not a bad problem to have, but it's an interesting issue that Mike Sullivan's going to have to look at early in training camp. It is. It's. It'll be interesting. And seeing how the line rushes work out will be fun. If you mentioned Jason Zucker, and I forgot he was on this team, so mm-hmm. filing him in as well. Something I something new I would want to watch for is just how he looks. Mm-hmm. Sure, he might he might be healthy, but how does he look otherwise? Does he look like he? I mean, come on. Let's hear those interviews again. I'm here to score more goals. I'm here to get more opportunities. Good. That's what we want to mm-hmm. see. Now it is a matter of staying healthy and staying with it. We know he has the skill. It is just a matter of staying on the ice to show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to see him stay healthy. I think a lot of people do. Danny Shirey has put out multiple pieces. You know, I've, I've mentioned him so many times because I mostly agree with his opinions. But uh, he's put out multiple pieces on the fact that Jason Zucker, if he can remain healthy, if he can get back to a modicum of what he was in Minnesota, it's only good things for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But uh, something else I do want to see, and we've talked about this uh, over and over again throughout times in the offseason, I want to see a change in that power play scheme. Like Todd Reardon was just given that two-year extension. He was just given that promotion to associate coach uh, instead of assistant coach, which is mainly just a title change and probably a pay increase. But... I want to see a change in that power play scheme because it's been a couple of years since uh, Phil Kessel's left and they continue to try the same power play scheme and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, it, enough of that drop back nonsense. Uh, yeah, especially in the breakout. Yeah, that's the hard part. We know, like, we've seen this power play perform well before. We mm-hmm. know that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin can score goals. We know Jake Gensel can score goals. It is getting into the zone that kills us. For whatever reason, that momentum stops that drop back is not good and we've been doing the same thing for how many years now it's to the point where teams just catch on that happens across the league teams catch on to other teams ways of playing the game and their styles it is a matter of being able to change it up you can't be so stubborn as to keep the same system uh for that many years in a row because eventually every team catches up to you in that if you are setting the standard for how it should be, that's great. Suddenly, everyone's doing it, and now everyone knows how to defend it. Set a new standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's something that they really need to look at. I mean, it was refreshing to see, one, the Pittsburgh Penguins scored so many power play goals in the Prospects Challenge on Saturday. Two, if you keyed in on one particular goal, Valtteri Pustinen, right shot from the left side, a one-timer that just absolutely blasted past whoever was in net for the Boston Bruins. That's something the Penguins don't have. It's a, it's a weapon the Penguins don't have. Now, they did have that at times with Evan Rodriguez. They did have that at times with Jared McCann a couple seasons ago. But they don't have a guy that's consistently up on that unit. And the only time they employ that side of the ice is when somebody's injured. Because other than that, it's Latang at the point, And it's Malkin slightly off to his right. And Crosby down low. And Gensel in front. And Brian Rust usually just sitting there taking up space on the left side and eventually maybe getting an opportunity down low to hit a one-timer or to finish off a nice feed from Sidney Crosby. You need to integrate that side of the ice more. That's the big thing. Obviously, the breakout, you mentioned that. But you need to use that left side of the ice a lot more because the Pittsburgh Penguins, they run everything from the point to the right and they really don't use that left side of the ice. That Ovechkin kitchen is not something the Penguins usually use on the power play. And they need to be able to use the entire length and the entire width of the ice. Because at this point, opposing penalty kills, no. We don't really have to worry as much about Brian Russ scoring. He might score every once in a while if we leave him alone over there. But they're not going to go over there very often. Right. Yeah. 
just gotta adjust where the adjustments need to be made. You can. We all know these guys can score. Uh, the last thing I do want to mention before we head over and talk about the reverse retros, because we have positive news regarding those reverse retro jerseys. All, of course, an opinionated segment on that. But the one last thing I want to see is I just want to see them all stay on the ice. Yes. Gensel missed the first game of last season. Crosby missed the first two weeks of last season. Malkin missed the entire first half of last season. I want to see them all on the ice. I don't need to see them doing anything spectacular. I just want to see them on the ice, getting good reps in, and staying healthy. Bar none. Yeah. Yeah, just stay healthy. It's the most important thing for every Pittsburgh Penguins team. So we'll move over and talk about the Penguins reverse retros from Adidas. Rob Rossi of The Athletic gave a really inspiring and happy update about these because everybody was doom and gloom when we first saw that leaked image of it being yellow. Rob Rossi comes out in The Athletic, says that it will be a black jersey. There will not be any gradient on it. And this wasn't in the, the piece. He did say that it should be released here in the next couple of weeks. I think it gets released this week, considering the time frame and, and training camp starting this week. Uh, and we'll have to see, because I'm assuming it's a league-wide thing. It is. It'll be dropped all 32 at yeah. a time. Um, we'll just have to wait for that first... A very weird encrypted almost tweet of hey here's we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be putting something out in the next in the near future and then just mm-hmm. the big reverse retro logo on the screen and uh yeah and then they'll put up the date it'll be like a week from now <laughs> so um they're gonna build the hype so once we start seeing the hype get built then yeah we're, we know, we'll know when it's coming but mm-hmm. for what it's worth i don't hate the idea of no gradient. I don't hate the idea of it being a black jersey again. Nope. As long as it's not fully yellow. Again, this... <laughs> I'm not... Regardless, I'm probably not going to hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Just how I didn't... I didn't like the last all-yellow jersey, but I didn't hate it. I just didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. As long as I care for it a little bit, fine by me. Move along. It's a jersey they're going to wear for a year. Fans will yeah. own for a long time. That's cool. Um... Mm-hmm. Let's just this time around, guys, let's not get uh, worked up and mad at uh, some clothing. Yeah, I, I think you're talking to deaf ears at this point. People will always get mad about jersey decisions, and there is a concept jersey that kind of fits the bill of everything we've heard in rumors. Now, this is not what the jersey is actually going to be if you're watching on Inside the Penguins on YouTube. We don't know if this is what the jersey is. This is a comment or sorry, a concept jersey from, let me get the name correctly, Alan Waldron on Reddit. I'll pull it up here for those watching on YouTube. And I would be very happy to see this be the Penguins reverse retro jersey in 2022-2023. Yeah, if it's this, we're good. Money. And for those that are listening on the audio medium, it is a black jersey, basically the reverse of the white jersey in the 90s with the Robo Penguin in the middle as the crest. The shoulders are kind of a triangle coming down with yellow, and then it goes into a white stripe with yellow also on the uh, the forearm area. But if you want to see the visual, go to Inside the Penguins on YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us, all that fun stuff. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think about this comment that, or this concept that we have up here from Alan Waldron. But when I look at this, I think the big thing is it doesn't need to be all out and crazy. This is a fairly simple concept, which I think is why it works so well. 
Keep it simple if you're Adidas, and it'll work well for the Penguins. Everybody wants to see just that Robo Penguin logo. If you put that on the middle, you're already in good shape. Now, if you do the, the concept that we have here, which is, has basically the triangles on the shoulders and the reverse triangles on the forearms, then it, it'll work really well. But a black reverse retro jersey with the Robo Penguin logo on it. I know people like the gradient. But I'm fine with not having the gradient across the chest. I, th I think it's a lot more simple. And I think it would be harder to make look good for today's game. But I, I like what, what Waldron has up here. And again, we won't stay and harp on this too much just because it is an audio medium primarily. And not an audio medium first. But if you want to see it, obviously check it out on Inside the Penguins at uh, YouTube. And, and we'll retweet it on our Twitter as well. Yeah, it's... Um... It could be interesting. If it's this, we're fine. We move along. If it is anything close to this, we're good. Move along. Again, they're going to wear it for a year. I'm going to try and not get worked up one way or the other. Um, but it's fun. I get it. It's all exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to talk about jerseys, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have more than this as they have, obviously, their Winter Classic one coming out a little bit later as well. But when I looked back, because I was trying to get a timeline of when Adidas dropped the, the first one, they dropped it two months before the start of the season because that was in the 2021 season where the year, yeah, the year started in January. They dropped it in November. Now that it's in October, I would imagine that it comes out. I'm hoping in the next week you imagine it comes out before the season start, which is three and a half weeks from today. Yeah, you would assume it would. We know that pretty much because of the prospect challenge game, almost every team has their at least main jersey set in stone. Uh, because yeah. games are being played, I doubt they would change jerseys that quickly. Like we saw the Sharks come out with their new teals. That, by the way, that's the regular now? That is their normal home and away jerseys. Okay. I mean, it's cool enough. They had, they had been in need of an upgrade for a while. Uh, same thing, the Ducks need an upgrade. So eventually, hopefully, that's the next team that gets a wholesale change in their kits. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, you'd have to figure by now, the at least the day-to-days are set. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll see where everything goes from there. Reverse retros will still be fun. And it's always fun to look at what other teams do to just botch everything. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if the island. Well, the Islanders are supposed to do the actual fishermen this time instead of just changing the shade of their actual jerseys. So at least they're trying this time. We shall see. Good job, Lou. Lou. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish this episode off with our weekly pens poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Our weekly pens poll this week, it's interesting. And I have a—I have some very strong opinions on this one. Actually, I just have a really decent argument for it. But our poll this week was, which Penguins veteran will have the most impressive training camp? Ricard Raquel, in his first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins at training camp, won this poll with 52% of the vote. Kasperi Kapanen got 24% of the vote, and then Jason Zucker and Danton Heinen split the remaining vote at 12% apiece. Horwat, which veteran did you think is going to come out and have the best training camp? I would say Ricard Raquel. He's going to make a strong case for that first-line spot, whether or not he gets it. Uh, we know he plays well with Sidney Crosby. We've seen it before. We know he plays well with uh, Jake Gensel alongside Sidney Crosby, so... Maybe he tries to build off of that, but at the same time, if he's pinned to the second line, hey, he's going to try and prove he's better than that. Um, but old habits die hard, so we'll see what happens with the Brian Russ situation. Um, 
Either way, I just think Raquel is going to come in. It's going to be his first full year with the team. And that is usually a pretty big nod to uh, a player after a trade. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question, Horwat. When was Kasperi Kapanet at his best last year? Whenever he scored the hat trick. <laughs> Before that. Oh. He was at his best during training camp. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. If you remember, through all of those training camps and, and all of those preseason games, everybody's saying, wow, Kasperi Kapanen is about to go off for this team. With all these injuries, Kapanen is going to lead this team while Malkin and Crosby are out. Well, that didn't happen. But the fact still remains that he was great at training camp last year. And then it went downhill. And a big issue was chemistry and confidence. He couldn't get any chemistry with the centers he was playing with. And he said it several times last year. I don't have my confidence. He didn't have that swagger that Kasperi Kapanen usually shows off whenever he's playing the best of his abilities. But this year, it's a pretty good confidence boost whenever you have the worst year of your career and your organization says, we're going to pay you the same amount as you did last year. We're still paying you $3.2 million. We still believe that you're not the player you were last year, but the player you were your first year back in Pittsburgh. That's a confidence boost right there. Take that, a mental reset over the summer. I think we're, at the very least, I think Kasperi Kapanen has a bounce back year as a whole. But to just kind of dilute it and look at it in a micro sense, I think he's going to have a very impressive training camp because I think he comes in with the most to prove out of all these guys. Zucker has a lot to prove. But I, I think Kasperi Kapanen, for how young he is, for how much of a high-flying, high-scoring guy he is, I think he has the most to prove coming into this training camp. So I think that translates, in my opinion, to him having the most impressive training camp. He has the track record of doing it last year. He's had a mental reset over the summer. And he was also given a nice little boost of confidence from the front office being paid the same amount that he was paid last season. Even though last year was probably the most disappointing season of any Pittsburgh Penguin. Probably. I think it's fair. <laughs> I think that's a that's a fair sentiment. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. <laughs> between him, it's between him and Zucker, and Zucker was disappointing because he couldn't stay healthy. Kapanen was healthy for most of the season, and he still didn't do anything. So that's the biggest issue. I'm interested to see what Kapanen is able to do this year, and I think it starts on Thursday at training camp. He needs to really... Put his foot down and make a mark early and do it often in training camp. And I think that's what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to have to do that at least. He's going to have to prove that he's still worth what he's getting paid and that he can rebound uh, to any sort of game that was more than what he had last year. So yeah, whether or not he does it, it's that's what he's going to have to do. Now, of these last two guys, Jason Zucker and Danton Heinen, obviously, we uh, agreed with the majority of the voters over at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Jason Zucker got 12%. Danton Heinen got 12%. What are you expecting from them when training camp opens on Thursday? Dan Heinen, I'm just expecting kind of par for the course stuff. I mean, there's only so much you can pull from training camps and practices until you see game action. But for Heinen himself, uh, I would just say pretty, pretty similar to what we saw last year. Just he's going to maintain his role, maintain his skill, maintain his positioning, and be the Dan Heinen that we resigned for another year. Um, and Jason Zucker, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, just hope to God he looks healthy. <laughs> and that's really about it. Like I said a few moments mm -hmm. ago, we know he still has his skill, we know he still has his hockey sense, but it is a matter of how healthy he looks 
and if he mm-hmm. uh, can still perform to his fullest level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Zucker, of all the guys that we've mentioned, I wouldn't mind starting Zucker out on the third line. I, I know that he probably deserves to start on the second line and deserves to start at least in the top six. I'd love to see him on the first line with Crosby again because I thought that is something that we have not seen enough of since he came over from Minnesota in 2020. But I I don't think I would hate to see Jason Zucker start on the third line. Maybe give Danton Heinen a chance to play with Evgeny Malkin and see if that works better than it did last season. And if Zucker is as good as he is at the forecheck and backcheck coming into this season and can stay healthy, that'll create opportunities for your bottom six, especially considering if as long as he continues his trajectory when it comes to shot, just the amount of shots that he had last year, then more of them are going to go in the net. Because he was very unlucky a lot of times last year. And he did make some mistakes last year. He's going to score more goals if he continues what he was doing when he was healthy. So... I want to see Jason Zucker and Danton Heinen both go out there and battle for that second line left wing spot. That's what I want to see between the two of them. I want them, even though it might not be a competition, I want to see them treat it like a competition out there. And I think that obviously they're very competitive guys, And I, but I just don't think Mike Sullivan's going to have Danton Heinen in the top six at any point in this preseason. But I would like to see both of these guys battling back and forth like their jobs depend on it because, you know, eventually it might. I think they're both going to be in the, in the lineup as long as they're healthy, but the the fact remains who's going to be higher in the lineup. That could be uh, that could be determined this this training camp, or at least it'll be determined by us uh, who is watching training camp, not necessarily Mike Sullivan, who's determining all the outcomes. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Horwat, what do you have coming up for InsideThePenguins.com, or what did you just put out? Ah, what do I have coming up? I'm not sure. <laughs> whatever whatever <laughs> pops into my head. Other, other than that, yeah, I just did all the prospect stuff. Um, I know that camp goes until Wednesday? Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, <clears throat> keep an eye on Penn's camp. I, that's, I don't have much else. I mean, I have to listen to the 32 Thoughts still. I have to listen to Ron Hextall on a podcast. I have a couple things I need to do. We'll see what happens. Otherwise, um hope to be up at the regular camp on friday and then we'll see where things go from there yep for me i have a piece on Sidney crosby like you mentioned that 32 thoughts the podcast appearance i have a piece coming out later today about his desire to win above all still remaining intact and then later this week i will have a preview for pittsburgh penguins training camp discussing all of the position battles that you need to keep an eye out for as camp opens on thursday and then begins with the preseason game on Sunday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back on Thursday discussing more training camp, discussing more Penguins talk, and discussing any news that happens in the meantime. But we're out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you on Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fan. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.